0: Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Welcome to Act Like Men, Men's Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast designed to be a resource to pastors and leaders of men as they build out an engaging ministry with their men. We do this for one simple reason. We believe that every man has the opportunity to become an authentic, biblically-based man of God. That's our desire. This ministry is sponsored by Men's Ministry Catalyst, a ministry now in its 42nd year designed to do exactly that, guide church leadership as they build out this engaging ministry with their men. Hi, everyone. My name is Wendell Morton. I am the Executive Director of Men's Ministry Catalyst. It's so great to have you with us today. You are the reason we exist, so thank you for tuning in. I also want to introduce to you my co-host, Dale Udy, who you recognize as well. Hi, Dale. Welcome Hi, to the Wendell. podcast. Good to have you again. It's good to be with you. We've got another
1: great topic for men today.
0: Amen. Amen. Exactly right. We have a, a wonderful guest, Dr. Clarence Schuler, great man of God. He has been married to Brenda for over 37 years. By that, we know she's a saint already. <laughs> Clarence is the president and CEO of Building Lasting Relationships, BLM. And uh, they also have three daughters. They do marriage seminars, men's ministry, women's ministry. They speak to singles. Uh, they do this internationally as well. In 2020, Brenda and he were presented the Family Life Weekend to Remember Getaway Speakers of the Year Award. That's a great award. Wow. Uh, And I know hundreds of people are changed every year as they go through these uh, weekends to remember. Uh, Clarence and Dr. Gary Chapman speak together on the five languages of love or five love languages, date night and life-changing cross-cultural friendships. Great long-term relationship that has uh, been a a standard for building cross-cultural relationships. So we thank you for that. The book we want to talk about tonight is uh, Finding Hope in a Dark Place, Mm. Facing Loneliness, Depression, and Anxiety. This is the newest book that Clarence has released, one of ten, and uh, we thank him for uh, being open and vulnerable as he works through this. Clarence, welcome to the podcast. Good to have you here today. Well, Wendell and Dale, thanks for having me. Listen, we want to jump right in because we know we have limited time. Uh, And let me just tell the listeners, we're going to do two uh, podcast with with Dr. Schuller. Uh, this one, we're going to talk about the story, where he was, the journey. And our hope is through this, that you as men who are listening to this, get a breath of fresh air. You feel like there's hope for what I'm struggling with. With pandemic and, and job isolation and all the other things that are going on, men tend to isolate anyway. Which leads to depression and other issues. So um uh, this is a great topic. The next one we'll talk about how do we walk out of this uh this dark hole that we're in and what are the help that we can get as we work through the journey. So that'll be podcast number two. So on this one, talk about your story briefly, Clarence. Where where, where what's your journey and uh and and what do you want to share with the guys tonight as it relates to that? Well, in
2: context to um uh my depression or my battles with depression. Uh, Brenda, I had just come back from the Cayman islands. We had done a family conference and wow. usually when we go overseas, we don't charge anything because, you know, it just seems to be poorer than we are, but uh, they were so moved by our time together. They, they actually took an offering, several offerings and paid us pretty much. We normally charge people. And what the, what the old pastor taught me, he says, you know, when people give like that, that means you really touch their hearts. And yeah. he said, you always touch your hearts before you touch your wallets. And so, yeah. so we're just really blessed by that. We're on cloud nine. They were happy. We were happy. I get back home and this billion dollar, multi-billion dollar company uh, was trying to get a hold of me and uh did I say multi-billion dollar company did you I mean,
0: did multi-billion billion.
2: yeah yeah and so um they say we, we've seen your website we think you can help us with our issues with diversity uh blah 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 so I said okay and so for two months um well actually three months they continued to almost three times a week we would have meetings and blah 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 then finally I said you know if you really want me to help you I have to come down and see your place and then I say your building and how things are operated will tell me how I can help you. So meet with the president, his team, the CEO and his team. Um at a two-hour meeting, they pay for everything. Then the president during the midst of that says, Hey, uh, we need to pay you for his presentation. And I'm like, Cool. Normally you don't get paid for a presentation. And so uh before I, before I go into meeting, I become friends with Stephen Kendricks. We're on a board together. And so he prayed right before I went in. The, presentation seemed to go well. The CEO said, can we give us another half hour? Um, And then after the meeting, my contact person said, the CEO really liked you. He says, a lot of times when people do diversity, it's divisive, but yours brings people together. So Mm -hmm. all these things were happening. I was feeling good. And so I usually don't count my chickens before they hatch, but I kind of thought this was it. And the money we were talking... I'm not going to I'm not gonna have to work for two or three years, and all I got to do is about six or nine months of work, and I'm good. Well, 10 days later, they called and said we decided to go another direction, and oh. I was devastated. Mm. Uh, it was a Christian wow. organization. It just kind of came out of the blue, and I, I was just devastated. And I went as dark as I've gone. Um, didn't want to be with anybody. Didn't want anybody to call me. Didn't want to talk about mm. Jesus. I didn't want any Christian cliches. Don't tell me mm-hmm. God closed one door; he opens another. I ain't want to hear that stuff. Just, just leave me alone. Mm. And uh, that's that's kind of where I was um, when um, uh, someone reached out, began to reach out to me. But that's, but that was kind of my story and my fall into all this stuff was was really. I hate to admit it was kind of idolatry. when well, I not kind of it was idolatry. I was trying mm. to validate myself by how much money I made and how much and that that I. You know that I had arrived because I'm making X number of dollars. So that's that's my story.
0: You know your last statement there, you validate yourself by how much money you make. I, I think that's I think that's a man's story. Um yeah. money, position, car, house, something that validates because that's that's the American way, right? Yeah. So we we all struggle with that. Wow. Well it's the nature oh. It's a nature yeah. nature. Yeah. I mean Yeah, it is. Um, it is. Now, has has depression or the struggle with depression and anxiety been a part of your life for most of your life? Well, um growing up as a
2: black American, uh it, you know, you you I wouldn't say I was depressed, but a lot of times you were disappointed. And so you okay. you're always facing rejection and when you go into a situation you always have to be careful or guarded you know just kind of protect yourself what's going to really happen if they're christians uh you, you're not really sure how it's going to turn out so right. um uh, so there have been times working with christians and i would just be honest particularly conservative evangelical yeah yep. Yep. you know have been very um have been more dangerous to mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. than non-christians who are white so so uh so sometimes in those in those processes you do process you do go through depression. This was not my first time being depressed, but uh, um, but yeah, it's it was the probably the deepest and darkest depression I faced. Hmm.
0: Now I think most guys are going to struggle with this that kind of this next question. But is is having those emotions that kind of weigh you down? Uh, is that a sign of weakness or being less than a man? Or, or how, how do you categorize that?
2: Well, no, it doesn't make you less than a man. You know, emotions are uh, natural, they're legitimate, they're usually healthy, but they can, if we let our emotions run to us, they can create some problems. So mm. you know, in the Bible, uh, most guys in the Bible were reluctant leaders, and they struggled mm. with uh, initial fear when God was calling them to do something that was bigger than them. So having emotions uh, is is very legitimate, very realistic, is pretty authentic. So it didn't make you less than a man. It actually makes, that's what a man is. So, but I think it's important that, you know, boys tend to be controlled by their emotions. Men don't deny their emotions, but they're not managed by their emotions. They manage the emotions themselves. So I think it's different between a boy or immature person and a man. So we all have emotions.
1: So the emotion part, you know, that's normal, but it's how you handle them that really makes all the difference. And I think that's really the key part of your story. How did you handle those emotions? Well, initially, um,
2: I would love to say I was like my dad and had to, you know, me and his generation had this great, quiet dignity and nothing seemed to faze them externally. Uh, I'm I'm more of a whiner. (laughs) And so uh, I didn't have that great dignity. So I, I'm I'm a rebel. You know, I was gonna be a black panther before I came to know Christ. So uh, my emotions were sort of on my sleeves. I'm not a good poker player, so that's that's where my emotions
0: were. Okay. Wow. I I think that's encouraging just to hear that from from guys who really struggle. How do you handle emotions like that in a family environment or when you're supposed to be the leader of the family or uh, when your wife is not affirming you? She's telling you to get your butt out of bed and get back to work or whatever it happens to be. However, that's coming across. How, how do we deal with that? Because not everybody's a cheerleader when we're walking through that struggle. Well, a couple of things, too. Our
2: wives, even though they have great social skills, typically don't know. core values that most men have most men have somewhere between seven and ten core values and we may not know what they are them ourselves but if we feel they're violated then we may act out Mm. you know where it is uh now for me my wife for a long time she did not know i was actually depressed uh she said you went to work you did that so i was a functional depressed guy Mm. i think a lot of men are i think we carry this stuff we internalize it and remember, we're socialized not to share our emotions. Yeah, right. And then exactly. we get married, then we're supposed to turn them on like a faucet. So so it's very normal for us to internalize it. But our internalizing our emotion can lead to high blood pressure, mm-hmm. uh, hypertension, and heart attacks. So, uh, so, so, so I think we have to have an outlet. That's why I encourage men, if possible, have one other man you can talk to about anything. Yeah. So older men have been my mentors. And I've had guys, my peers, I have younger guys in my life as well. So uh, I think having at least one of the guys is important for you to share what you're going through.
0: And how many guys
2: have that? Uh... I've been told I'm kind of unusual because I, if I see a guy who's I think got something going on, I will ask them. Uh, but I heard a lot of guys don't have that. And so when I've been on church staffs, so I've gotten older men, retirees, to work with 20 and 30-somethings, and yep. it's just been a win-win for both, you know, yep. because the older guys sometimes feel, well, I don't have anything else left to offer nobody wants to have, but the right, younger right, guys right. don't have the wisdom. They, they want a father figure, especially out of state and their dad's not beside them or near them or they're, they didn't have a dad. So that's, that's really important. And most young guys really want an older guy to talk to, whether they're in prison, whether they're in the boardroom, they want an older guy to talk to. So I always always try to put those guys together.
0: When guys are isolated, um, the, the kinds of conversations they have with other men tend to be very surface and very short. Um, you're one who has longer, deep, I mean, when I first met you, we we kind of went deep pretty quick uh, because you, you're open and and you you know you're the kind of guy that's easy to t- to talk to and converse with. Most guys kind of have that facade, you know that you, I mean, you if you're playing sports, you talk about sports, or you talk about this or you do weather or whatever. If you're in a, a work situation, you you complain about the boss or whatever it is you're doing, but you're not really focused on. Here's what I'm going through. Here's what I'm. Here's what I'm uh, dealing with. What What's your experience with with guys like that? And, and why do you think they hold back so much? What What are they afraid well, of? Well, no one teaches us that, and so we
2: we think people can't see our flaws. Mm-hmm. Uh, just briefly, I was 24. I was being groomed for politics in D.C. And a guy who was grooming us, a bunch of us men and women, and he was so fed up with us because we were all so arrogant y'all put us in a room and we went around the room and told everybody their their shortcomings and it was brutal but and so you knew you had your own stuff but awesome. you knew everybody was gonna see it and so yeah. and so it makes it a little bit easier so but i think a lot of guys think no one can see their flaws and they can hide yeah. it and yeah. i think people are afraid to reach out because they won't be rejected and so and then on top of that if you have a poor self-image and yeah. you don't see yourself the way god sees us. And then if you hear what Satan's saying to you, the natural thing is you're no good, mm-hmm. you're this. Yeah. Um, if you've lost your job, you're less yeah. than a man. Because remember, supporting our family is a core value for a man.
0: Mm, absolutely. If we can't
2: support our, our family, we feel less than a, a man. And so if our wife says, yeah. you need yeah. to get a job, our male filters here, you're less than a man. So, right. Uh, right. so, so those are, I think, some really key issues that your, your question leads us to.
0: Um, where is the balance of struggling with an emotion and then feeling like I'm less than uh, success spiritually? Because we have this picture of, you know, when you become a Christian, it's all going to be good and God heals you and you know things are change dramatically, right? Yeah. So where is that in the balance of, uh, that? that's the message we hear. That's not necessarily the reality that we have to work through. So how how do you approach that? What what do you think?
2: Well, I've been blessed. Uh, I've had some great godly men and women pour into my life. I, I was discipled. A lot of guys aren't discipled. Uh, yes, and so the church does not really teach you how to be a spiritual leader, yet it almost yep. always condemns men for not being spiritual. Yep. Yep. And yep. being a servant leader, I don't know, it, when's the last time you heard a sermon on how to be a servant leader? They're, they're yep. like almost non-existent, but then we turn yep. around and beat the guys up. And so right. church typically cannot, is not, always no, it's a safe place for a man. That's not. Because not. the pastor is a good guy. And he's kind of putting himself down, you know, because he's humble. But every time he does, they puts down every man in church. Yeah, but there's it, just not a lot of instruction on how to grow in your faith, what's involved, what that looks like. So it's hard for us to hit that target. And so it's natural. And then your wife wants you to be a spiritual leader. And so either a guy tries to do that and preaches to his wife, and she doesn't need a pastor, or he just leaves it alone because he doesn't know what to do. He feels I'm just like for me, I have a I. Still struggle praying my wife even when we do it because she knows all my flaws, mm. and in my yeah. mind, I think I need to be perfect, but she's not looking for that, she's looking for uh, a close relationship, yep. and we could not yep. sex so much but intimacy, which says Hon- honest right.
0: intimacy that's correct.
2: yeah, yep. yeah, honest. And yep. you know, so but no one's sitting down that's telling true. us to do it. We're not a lot of people telling guys how to do that,
0: hmm. it's. I, your story is correct there. I mean, you go to church and on Mother's Day, what do they do? They celebrate mothers, all the good things. Father's Day, they they beat the heck out of them because they're not quite as good as they need to be. All the flaws, all the negative statistics. And you know, and being a minister to men, I have those statistics and I, and I share those quite frequently. And and you know, it's the thing, do I share them or do I not share them? But that's exactly what happens because you know, women are celebrated, men are not.
2: Yeah, and and you know, I, I got in trouble with a friend of mine who's a men's ministry guy, and he's just beating guys up. Man, I said, I said, man, I said, you're running all these young guys away from you. Yeah. And I said, yep. they don't need to know statistics; they need to know you love them. Yeah. Amen. And so, right. and so, when you throw those statistics out, you just simply tell them you're a failure, and, mm. and you're 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 telling them a failure with no sense of hope or how how to get better.
1: Yeah. Yep. Exactly you know, right. the key on that is giving them the model to shoot for, you know, and exactly. again, it's just like any other principle that comes in with leadership. People will uh, learn more from watching you than they will from listening to you.
2: Well, you're right. You're exactly right. It's like when I counsel a couple and a woman says she needs security. Well, I said, what does that look like for you? Yeah. you know, is that having a door lock before you guys were having sex? Is that paying all the bills on time? What does security look like for you? And she says, why well, you asked me that? I said, well, this guy besides you, your husband, he needs to know what that is so he can hit that target. Yeah. Because he might think is this, but you're saying is that. And so he's doing all he can to love you this way, but he's missing you. He's not scratching where you mm. itch. So you need to get someone a target that can hit. So
0: yeah, exactly right. So let me ask you one last question in this episode. What what was the beginning of you moving out of your depression? How, what were the some of the couple of the steps that you took as you worked through? It? And I, I, again, I, I'm not proclaiming that anybody completely, if if you're prone to depression or anxiety, completely eliminates it. But what were some of the steps to begin to walk out of that deep dark hole you were in? Well. Um...
2: You know, if you read the back of my book, it talks about I'm learning to manage more effectively, you know, my depression. which, uh, But uh, for whatever reason, I'm sort of a transparent guy. And so I have about 300 plus people praying for me and they get my newsletter. And so what I wrote in the newsletter is that the job didn't come through and I was disappointed. I said, but that's about I didn't say a whole lot. But one of my um, supporters is a counselor. And she's out of Atlanta, and she read between the lines, and so she calls him up and said, "Hey, I just read your newsletter. You want to talk about it?" And I said, "No." No. And so, <laughs> and so, and what so are you hung, thinking? No. So I, so I hung up, and then God says, "You need a counselor." And I said, <laughs> "Well, I counsel people all the time." I said, "Why don't you counsel me?" And he was silent. And when he's silent, I knew he wasn't going to respond. Hmm. And so I called her up and I said. um, hey, I'm really pretty raw. I'm not going to use in profanity, but I'm pretty raw. And if you if I offer to help me still on the table, I need some help. So, mm-hmm. so I think the first thing was to admit, for me, I think for most yep. people to admit that I have a problem, I need help. Yep. Yep. And and the reality was I couldn't really help myself because right. I didn't know what was going on. So, that, so the first thing was asking for help. Um, and then someone reached out and I accepted their help. And that was sort of the beginning. And uh, and she made this statement, and she says, you know, when you're in a dark place, God's with you in that dark place. So your dark place can be a holy place.
1: Yeah. Mm. And,
2: and that was really profound to me because in the midst of my struggle and depression, I was totally focused on me, and just totally forgot that God was around and with me. So that was that was that was the beginning of coming out of my depression or or began to manage my depression.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, a couple of things there, Clarence. One is um, you admitted, you knew where you were. Even though you're trying to to wall yourself off from everything around you, you you knew where you were, you admitted it. And when somebody reached out for help, your initial is typically, I think what I would do as well is reject it. No, no, I got this. I'm okay. And uh, knowing full well that that really isn't the truth. But then you allowed that person to come into your life in a way that was probably different than any other time because you opened the kimono and you said, Hey, this is what I'm really struggling with. And, um, I, I think that that's a huge, huge help.
2: Two other things real quick. I, um, when I kept going to church and even, I didn't want to go to church, my wife made me go to church. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it would be so funny because my pastor would say some off the wall comment. And that was what I needed to hear that day to get through the next day. Oh, wow. Or through the week, so that was really important. The other thing was with my computer, uh, my function for uh, putting them on vacation that didn't work, and so people kept emailing me, and so I was still trying to help people in the midst of that. So, so that those things also were important in
0: my coming out or dealing with my depression. I think that's great. I think that's awesome, Dale. Any other questions as we wrap this particular episode up? We're gonna the next episode. We're gonna really focus on. The help and the process, the walking through the journey and, and some of the things there, we're going to highlight his book as well. But any other questions before we wrap up, there? Well, again, I
1: think the key part of that last statement there, you know, that even though I was going through and I was stuck, um, I kept up some of the things that were my normal routine, the discipline, church, obviously, uh, you know, just other things in your life, maybe I think that's a key part for any guy that's going through depression. Don't give up and throw everything out of your life and start over from a scratch. You've already built some foundations. Try to find those foundations. See if you can build them a little bit stronger up. But but again, not breaking some of the old patterns can be a real key to the past. That's an anchor point, if you will, for giving yourself the time and and able to coast through, but uh, get ready for the
0: next phase, whatever God's got in mind for you. I think Jesus' example of uh, leaving the 99 to go get the one, no, in that case, it was all spiritually lost. It's a little different dynamic. So this illustration doesn't hold completely true, but that mentality of willing to reach you, kneel down, help the hurting, mm. um, remembering that Jesus is not just this, uh, Almighty God that we have to bow to, but one who and and we do, but one who understands and and has been tempted and struggled in every way we are as well, and so I think that's an important factor as we're working through that. I don't want to spiritualize it because you need a lot of human help as you're working through the the the, the challenge there, but recognizing as you did, you didn't want to go to church, but you went to church, yeah. and uh, and yeah. and God reached you when you took the the step of faith.
1: Yeah, you can't give up everything because you're still a husband, you're still a father, you still have obligations, yeah. you still got to be a good friend. Yeah. All those yeah. things
0: have to continue, even in the midst of being in the dark part. Yeah. yeah. And Just in case somebody doesn't listen to the, the next episode as well, I, I do want to highlight your book because I think it's a great one. You sent me a, a, a copy ahead of time. I, I've read the majority of it, absolutely phenomenal, called Finding Hope in a Dark Place. Facing Loneliness, Depression, and Anxiety. It was just released in December of last year, so it's a new book. Um, what's the best way for them to get a hold of that book? Well, they can just go to Amazon and get it. It's, it's really a really great way to get that.
2: Uh, they want to go to my website and get a lot of free videos. They, it's just ClarenceShuler.com. It's not Clarence. It's just Clarence Shuler. The <laughs> last name is S-H-U-L-E-R, so, uh, so ClarenceShuler.com. Is a great way to uh if they want to contact me through the website, they can email me and stuff like that. But just for the sake of the book, just go to Amazon and get it and uh we'll appreciate it. And I hope you find Absolutely. it. Yeah.
0: Hey, listen, I've I've read the majority of it. And while I depression has not been something I've really struggled with, um the the learning on how to overcome and to be raw and real about your emotions, Clarence has been. Uh, absolutely encouraging and 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 uh, one that just acknowledges that you know what? I have to keep living there. We have to keep living there as we're trying to move forward. If we ignore you know uh, push off, uh, won't acknowledge some of those things that we're struggling with, we have we have no hope of 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 the help that we really need. So mm-hmm. that's been a tremendous encouragement to me. Thank you. Hey, so this has been a great topic. Dale and I have appreciated, Clarence, your open and honest uh, dialogue on this. And we look forward to the next session as well. Um, Just a reminder, these episodes are launched on the first and third Thursdays of every month. If you've not yet subscribed, please do so at our website or wherever you consume podcasts. Prior to this episode, we do release show notes. I'll include um, Clarence's uh, um, website. And uh, the name of the book again, so you have the ability to to jump on that and grab it. Thank you again for joining us today. You are the reason we exist. We do all of this for pastors and leaders of men because every man deserves an opportunity to become an authentic, biblically-based man of God. God bless you.